When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. My name is Grace Fowler, and today we are doing another mini episode on a cognitive bias. Today's cognitive bias is called apophenia. Now, the straight-up definition of apophenia is perceiving meaningful connections between unrelated things. But the origins of apophenia actually have to do with an old stage model for how we used to conceptualize the diagnosis of schizophrenia. And this originated from the research of a gentleman called Klaus Conrad, who was a German psychiatrist that collected case studies of young military men who had developed schizophrenia. Now, most of his work is in German, so I'm actually using a kind of summary of his work written by Aaron Mishara to help me understand Conrad's original theory because I don't read German Uh, and there's really not a lot of Conrad's work that can be found translated into English um, or translated well into English. So I'm citing Conrad's original ideas, but using someone else's um, lovely summary. So as I said, Conrad worked with young men in the military um, who were developing schizophrenia and he collected data from their experiences from when they first began to notice symptoms all the way until they had met like full criteria for schizophrenia and through that work he identified a stage model for the development of schizophrenia. So if you've ever heard someone use the term like prodromal schizophrenia That's kind of based on Conrad's work, where there's like a pre-schizophrenia stage that the person may be experiencing. His first three stages are the most relevant to this idea of apophenia. So the first stage in Conrad's model is called trema, which means stage fright, and was conceptualized to be a way to describe a delusional mood or atmosphere. In this stage, the person feels a general excitement, paranoia, depression, etc., without identifiable triggers or delusions. So Conrad would experience his patients in the trauma stage to not necessarily be making connections between things in the environment or themselves, but to be starting to experience these kind of general mood states uh, that would eventually develop into uh, like fodder or triggers for delusional beliefs in the next stage. The second stage he called apophony or aha erlobinus, and it is this stage of apophony which sets the stage for apophenia. So the second stage in Conrad's model, uh, aha erlobinus, means delusion as revelation. And so Conrad noticed that the person in the second stage would begin to interpret random meaningless stimuli as revelatory or revealing a message. 
In this stage, the person would also repetitively spread the revelation or delusion to every interaction or new stimuli. It's largely focused on the world or external experiences. So this would look like potentially someone experiencing a revelation or a a new delusion about, let's say, that the government is after them. And by having this revelation, they then begin to experience everything in the world around them as connected to this delusion. And making patterns between what seems to be random things in their environment. So perhaps seeing the same person on the bus in their morning commute and seeing that as a connection to this larger revelation or delusion. And then taking that belief or that delusion and beginning to apply it to every new interaction the person has with the environment. So rather than merely saying, oh, some coincidences have happened to me in the last few days, which are unusual or interesting, the person begins to wrap all of those into this new delusion. And Conrad called it spreading, as he noticed that the patients he was working with would soon begin to approach all the stimuli in their environment with this delusional belief, whereas they had not been doing that in previous stages. The third stage was called anastrophe, which means turning back. And in this stage, the person becomes the middle point of their delusions and all the connections they have made in the world come to revolve around them. This is internal versus the external uh, experience of apophony and would include making these connections between meaningless stimuli in the environment, but constantly bringing them back to the person The person's experience is not just the delusional or revelatory belief. Now, there are several more stages that Conrad had that go all the way up through catatonia, but those aren't important to this particular episode. So the important thing to to understand is he had the first idea of this term apophony, which became sort of bastardized into apophonia, and was the first person to use the term apophony to mean this uh, perception of random or meaningless stimuli to be uh, powerfully connected. And Conrad was doing his work during like World War I. So this is a much older idea about apophonia. So what is the field saying about this phenomenon now? So the current understanding is that apophonia is not a purely psychotic thought process or only something that happens in the brain of someone who is experiencing schizophrenia, but is actually thought to be an evolutionary feature of the human brain. In fact, recognizing patterns is actually a survival skill, and it is more beneficial for us to notice patterns than it is for us to ignore them. So, for example, if we begin to see patterns, let's say when back in our caveman days, If we began to see patterns that a dangerous animal was nearby, like maybe broken branches and loud sounds in the night and scratch marks near our cave, adding all of those little stimuli up together leads to a pattern that would clue us into a dangerous animal could be nearby. Now, there could be another explanation for the stimuli, right? It could be that, well, actually, the weird sound is your toddler crying 
the scratches have always been there and the broken branches were from grandma going out to get some berries. But it is more beneficial to our survival to assume that those patterns or that connection of stimuli is sign of a tiger because then we can prepare for the tiger and be safe. And in the event that it's not the tiger and it is just grandma and a toddler, then it doesn't matter. (laughs) We're prepared and we're safe anyway. So that's how apophenia may have developed through the evolutionary process is that our early ancestors who were able to connect the dots between what could be random stimuli and be able to come up with a threat evasion plan based on those stimuli survived and our brains became more adapted to that type of thinking. A consequence of this evolutionary path for the human brain is that the human brain is actually very bad at detecting randomness and will find patterns no matter what. There have been some studies that have attempted to show if human beings can generate completely random numbers, and we can't. We're really bad at it. We tend to organize numbers into patterns And we also tend to have this belief that repeating numbers are inherently unrandom, even though that's not true. Truly, randomness can be repeating numbers. So if a person tries to generate a random number, they will probably not put repeating numbers next to each other because we don't perceive that as randomness. So on one hand, our brains are really good at detecting patterns because it's kept us safe for millennia. And on the other hand, we're really bad at just seeing randomness and will apply patterns to any random data or stimulus that we see. So in regards to apophenia, in moderation, this phenomenon is how we enjoy things like magic tricks, novels, or even participate in therapy. It's how we're able to see constellations and shapes in the clouds or ink blots. Without apophenia, you wouldn't be able to understand how a collection of stars in the sky makes a certain shape, or you wouldn't be able to follow along with the story of a novel and being able to put together the pieces of evidence that are left behind you for you to hold the whole story. There's also a belief that apophenia is what makes therapy work in that as people talk through their problems and kind of lay them out verbally for another person, the therapist, that our ability to make patterns, our apophenia, helps us to draw connections between different behaviors that are laid out by the patient so that we can better understand and conceptualize their behavior. The part where apophenia can become a negative cognitive bias is when our tendency toward pattern making becomes the foundation for things like conspiratorial thinking. And we've talked about this in several past episodes where the ability to draw patterns helps people to generate these large conspiracy theories that connect seemingly disparate events or government agencies and draw them into one large network of theories. And apophenia, when we're not aware of it, can become so powerful that we start to believe the patterns we've seen in the random events in the world are true and that we, there must be something there because we've noticed a pattern, even if it truly is random event. Modern research has also shown that higher levels of dopamine may be connected to the ability to see patterns when there are none. 
Dopamine may also play a role in the development of schizophrenia, which connects these two phenomena again. So the increased presence of dopamine in the brain may make someone more susceptible to apophenia, and it may make someone more susceptible to schizophrenia, which could explain why Klaus Conrad experienced all of his patients who had diagnoses of schizophrenia having these types of cognitive patterns where they made connections between random stimuli. Epiphenia also plays a role in several other cognitive biases, such as gambler's fallacy, which is the idea that we can try to predict outcomes as if they are connected when they are really independent, such as believing that always betting on the same number will help you to win more often when in reality you have the same odds with every new game. It resets with every bet. Apophenia may also contribute to some types of superstitious beliefs, such as if I wear my favorite quarterback's jersey on the day of the big game, they're more likely to win because in the past those things have been paired together. A type of apophenia is called pareidolia, which is where you believe that you see or hear a familiar thing in a random stimuli, such as seeing a face in a sandwich or hearing a secret message in a song. So apophenia can also play a role in these phenomena where people maybe have a religious experience where they believe they see the face of a deity or saint in like a water stain on the wall or in a grilled cheese sandwich. Apophenia is helping you to connect the dots. This phenomenon may also be why people believe they hear secret messages in songs when they're played backwards because the subtype of pareidolia makes people identify familiar patterns even in things that they're hearing, such as a song being played backwards, which would sound like nonsense because it's words backwards, but the brain is sorting through that stimuli and creating patterns, which in an auditory method would be words. So creating patterns in with that stimuli to create a secret message. So in short, apophenia actually may be a helpful cognitive bias in that it's important for our survival and helps us to enjoy things like TV and magic tricks. But when there's no moderation or conscious awareness of apophenia happening, that's when we become more susceptible to dangerous ways of thinking like conspiratorial thinking or could be uh, a symptom of a larger mental health issue. So that's why I thought apophenia would be an interesting one because it is really useful and is an evolutionary tactic that has helped our species to have survived this long, but can have a darker side to it as well. So I hope you enjoyed learning about this cognitive bias. I encourage you to notice patterns that you may find in your life and see if apophenia is happening within your brain. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. To see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and see you in the next episode. Thank you.